everybody. It's the Utah Royals FC show. I'm Cindy, and with me today, I have Megan. Hi, Megan. Hello. Back on the pod after a few weeks missing again. Yeah, because, you know, you're like an adult now. I know. I've got all these things to do. I've got all this work to get done. Got tests coming up this week, next week, because it's almost midterms. It's just it's a busy, busy time of the year. <laughs> you know, the more... The more I hear about, like, school life, I'm like, that was, like, six, seven years ago. I don't miss that at all. Yeah, I, like, (laughs) even just high school, I don't miss that. So I can only imagine, like, actually being done. Yeah. This college is far better than high school ever was. I mean, I didn't have to wake up until, like, nine today. It was glorious. But, (laughs) yeah, I'm tired of it. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) Uh, You know you have, like, three and a half three and a quarter years, whatever, three, fours. I can't do that. It's Monday afternoon. I don't blame you. But yeah, yeah, I still have way too long left, but that's all right. That's okay. Well, um, guess we should talk a little bit about what's going on around the league. Yes. Um, And then we can talk about our own disappointment following (laughs) Utah Royals FC. Um, So around the league – we have Rain FC who clinched the final playoff spot because Utah lost and then they won 2 to 0 over Portland. So um yeah. They got it. Good for them, huh? <laughs> it's like, yep, kind of bitter about it pretty much. <laughs> mhm. It's kind of hard. I I do like Rain FC. I respect them just because of their head coach, Vladko Andonovsky, who used to coach FC Kansas City, who is a team that I followed um, before, you know, Utah, just because they were the closest team to me, regional, and um, like two hours away. So to me, it's like dagger in the heart that he went away to Rain FC. But so it's kind of cool to see him do well, still do his kind of magic with another team. He's a good coach. He's a really good coach. A player's yeah, coach. Just, like, yeah. I'm just bitter that Utah <laughs> kind of bottled their season a little bit there. No, that's that's fair. It's hard for me to not like the rain, though. And if it was North Carolina or Portland, I'd be like, ugh, gross. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If, if you're going to give a playoff spot to somebody, I'd like it to be rain because they have a lot of players that I have a lot of respect for. And like you said, Vlatko up there. Yeah. They're a good team and they des- they deserve it. They did they mm-hmm. did what they needed to to sneak their way in there. I mean, obviously it's kind of hard to compete with North Carolina and Portland, but to get that third and fourth spot for Chicago and Rain is is always impressive. Yeah. And the and that's just really like the measure of a really good head coach is someone like Vladko who, you know, this team so many of their players were injured. I mean, they just got Megan Rapino. like I think it was probably shouldn't play until August so for them to be where they're at now um and they're not like a full strength and the way their players are playing you're just like that's amazing yeah you know they, they definitely they've they definitely survived the world cup well <laughs> and I don't think we can say the same for Utah no which we will definitely talk about um all right, so with the Reign of C, the top four are now set. 
It's the same Final Four as last season. You got North Carolina, Chicago, Portland, Rain FC. Playoffs begin October 19th. And then North Carolina and Chicago do host a semifinal game. Uh, Chicago gets to host for the first time since 2015. Um, if the standings remain as they are, Rain FC would go to North Carolina and then Portland goes to Chicago. Or it could be Portland and North Carolina and Rain FC at Chicago. So that's that's cool. I mean, same teams, but there's a little bit of variation there with Chicago gets to host, which I'm okay with. I'm kind of excited to see somebody other than Portland get a host. So yeah, like I love Portland and I love the city, but it'll be kind of exciting to see what Chicago can do for their team mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Finally, you know, after, after all the hype of 2015, we get the hype of 2019 and see what, see what kind of crowd they can pull out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It'll be good. Um, so yeah, same, same teams as last year, but you know, little changes, just a little tiny change. Um, okay. And then the Washington spirit this week beat North Carolina two to one. I believe that was the first time that has happened for that team. Um, so it just goes to show that you play the game and that's why they play the game and North Carolina kind of lost, you know, knock them off their momentum for a little bit. Yep. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I was, when I saw that result, I was kind of shocked. It's impressive what Washington spirit's been able to do, even with like the little bit of struggles they've had, they've been able to pull out some games like that, that you're just like, Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. in a couple more seasons, they're going to be a serious contender again and give Utah even more of a run for their money. Yeah. And they've drafted really well. I think that's the thing that people are just talking about for the next couple of years. They'll just, you know, you want your youth players to develop. So they, they, they probably will be like, I mean, we thought this year was the team that was like, whoa, where they come from. But next year they could, you know, change things up a bit. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with here if they keep developing their young players like they are. Mm-hmm. Which would be cool because I'm kind of tired of the same top four, honestly. Same. I would really like to see, <laughs> like even not necessarily Utah, just like somebody different in the top four. You know, Orlando come out of nowhere next year and Mm. get a home playoff game. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) JK. No, yeah, Utah get that home playoff game. I want that. I know. I was, man, we'll talk about that. We can talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we want to jump into like the, (laughs) right? The the, like, let's talk about this. All right, cool. Um, So just, I think this was released like, within the hour. Um, So the victory tour for the U.S. women's national team is wrapping up. And from Utah Royals FC, it'll be Kristen Press, Kelly O'Hara, and Becky Sabron. Uh, The team plays on Thursday in Charlotte and on Sunday in Chicago. They play Korea Republic. Um, So yeah, I was actually kind of surprised to see O'Hara's name on the roster just because she hasn't been playing for Utah for the past two months if you can't count August um so I'm interested if she's just like with the team to continue her fitness blah 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 or is she really good to go 
Yeah, it kind of seems like that's how it's been all year. Is like she's not healthy when she can be for Utah, but as soon as there's a national team camp, she gets called up and is at least kind of healthy again, and then she comes back and is injured again, and I just don't know how I feel about it all. It's just kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, so which is obviously good because you want your player to be healthy, but at the same time, you're like, man – how different would have would it have been if she had been healthy those two months and been a part of the Utah roster for that, you know, last stretch that was going on? Yeah, I was actually talking with my parents about this the other day is how different this team looks if you can see Kelly O'Hara even a little bit this year. Like we saw her for a couple games maybe at the beginning of the year, but like how different does this team look if you have her in the last month and a half of this season? It's tough to see somebody with so much talent not ever get to play for her club. That's true. Which means that, I mean, if she is kind of healthy-ish, she might play that last game next Saturday. I just realized next week is like the last game of the season. Isn't it the 12th? Don't we have a – don't we skip next week and play the 12th? I mean like – well, yeah, I mean, like, after this week. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, I, I thought we didn't play this weekend. <laughs> I see I see what you're saying now. That yeah. makes, yeah, that makes more sense. Surprise. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, I could have sworn it was the 12th. No, I was just looking at my calendar, and I'm like, well, that's next weekend. Like, not this know, coming it's, weekend. It's funny, because it feels like the season's flown by, but it's also been so much longer than we were used to, which is a weird dynamic for me to have, because it's like, MLS season is wrapping up this next weekend, and but then we're still going to have NWSL playing even through when MLS has their playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works. Yeah. I mean, a year ago, the season was wrapped up. Yeah, exactly. It was. I think it was the 22nd of September last year was the final or the 23rd, something like that. Yep. yep. I think so. you're right. Yep. Wow. Good memory. Kind of nice to have this season be a little longer because it always gets, it always feels like the off season for the NWSL is so long. So hopefully next season will not, well, I guess this season will not feel so long in that off season break. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. Okay, Megan, we must talk about things that we must talk about. Oh, we're going to talk about the losses. We're going to, yeah, specifically the loss against Chicago Red Stars at Chicago. So that was Saturday, September the 28th of the year 2019. <laughs> um, so uh, it was the last away game for Utah, and the team finished with a road record of three wins. I believe six losses and three ties. Am I right on that? That sounds right. It looks right. (laughs) Six losses on the road. Yeah, it's definitely not. Like you always say, you want to win at home and tie on the road. And that is not that record. (laughs) No. Would have liked to see less than five, preferably two or three losses on the road. But oh well. (laughs) I guess hopefully next year. Yeah, which just goes to show that it was not a good <laughs> I mean, obviously teams play better at home, but this is this is a little sad. Yeah, it was it was a rough it was it was a rough year. At the end of the day, like we didn't 
we started off super, super strong, and then we just kind of tapered off from there. And we had a couple good games there in August that we were like, oh, maybe we can do this thing. And then we went right back to not quite good enough yet. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, that was just weird. Anyway, and also this game at Chicago, that was the first time that Kristen Press returned to Chicago since she got traded. And apparently she got a nice uh, ovation. Like, she wasn't booed or heckled or, you know, what people would expect. Um, So, And she still loves the city and the team. So I don't think there's any hard feelings there. Yeah, I didn't. I never. I didn't know that it was Kristen's first time back, though. I guess that makes sense because we played them right after that trade, and we weren't allowed mm-hmm. to play her in that game, if oh, yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Because I remember thinking it was weird how we were going to play Brooke Elby right after we traded her, but then in their trade, they weren't allowed to play in that game, so they didn't. Oh. Huh. Good or memory. Something wow. like that happened, but I remember because I remember I was a big fan of Brooke Elby's when she was here. And then we traded her to Chicago, and then we didn't even get to see her play when we played against Chicago in Chicago that year. So. Oh, that's true. Yep. The weird hmm. things I remember. This is what we're... Yeah. <laughs> random trivia that I've got stored in my brain here. Yeah, man. To be young. <laughs> it's only soccer. Anything for my actual college education just goes one in, ear, in one ear and out the other, but random things about Utah Royals FC, I got you. Oh, boy. Mom and Dad, I hope you're not listening to that. Um, uh, Speaking of, I hear that your mom may be on the pod one day. She is very excited about it. She When when they tweeted that from the show account, I'm assuming it was Veert Joe, but I'm not positive on that. But she was like, you think they'll actually let me on the pod? I was like, honestly, probably. And she was very excited about it. I was trying to explain to her what Zencaster is and how that all works. And she was very confused. So I might have to go home and help her with it. But <laughs> she, yeah, she no. would like to if the offer stands. So oh, stay totally. Tuned. We got a long off season, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We got a lot of time to fill. So yeah. Okay. Um, we'll be very excited. Uh, Megan's mom, which I believe is Terry. Yep, Terry Webb. Terry Webb. Hi. <laughs> uh, okay, so speaking of Kristen Press, it was her seventh goal of the season and her first against her former team. Um, meanwhile, Gunny, Gunny assisted was her fourth of the year. So, yeah, cool stat there. All right, Megan. This was the final hope for Utah Royals FC to stay in playoff contention in order for Utah to even make the playoffs because they were already on a four-game losing streak. Was was it three games? Maybe that was I believe it was three, and that made four. Yep, you're right. Okay. So they had to win the next two games, and Rain FC had to lose at least one match and draw or lose in the other. So it was kind of a lot of pressure there, but – Obviously, by the end of the game, neither scenario came true. Utah lost 2-1 to one to Chicago, officially being eliminated from the playoffs, falling short again for the second season in a row. And it's likely that they'll finish in fifth place unless Washington continues what they're doing. So that's disappointing. Yeah, it was definitely a little frustrating to watch that game and just not see – 
what I was hoping for. There are some games that Utah looks so good and so dangerous, and that just was not one of them. No, it wasn't at all. And we knew that Chicago was going to be tough. I think Utah had one of the toughest final stretches finishing out the season, Um, and this was definitely it. Um, So two to one was the score. Um, For a second, it looked for I was like, okay, maybe a draw will help them out, or maybe even a win. But I did not anticipate them losing. Honestly, I think I think I think I kind of knew, but at the same time, the hopeful side of me was like, they got this. Yeah, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew it was going to be go. It was going to be really hard to go to Chicago and get a full out win. I was hoping maybe we could get a draw. Seattle would do us some favors, but that just none of that happened. So we just are. It's, we're going to play in Houston on the 12th and hopefully see some young young players and get them some experience and buckle up for 2020. Yeah, yeah. So let's break down these goals a little bit. So in the 40th minute, it's Chicago who takes the lead with the bouncing ball around just the outside of the 18-yard box. Thanks to a Chicago free kick, Vanessa DiBernardo stepped up and hit a hard strike from five yards outside the box. In for the goal, one to zero. And uh, as soon as that happened, I thought, great, here we go again. (laughs) But then, two minutes later, the one, the only, Kristen Press, uh, goes on the offensive attack from the back line. It ends at the feet of Gunny, who sent a cross in towards the box. Kristen Press was there, able to run onto the cross, getting ahead on the ball to make the match one-to-one going into halftime. And so for the next comeback from halftime, it's nearing the mid-80th, 85th minute, and I, and I saw it. It was like, you know, how when they play Celine Dion <laughs> for, like, those plays? Yeah, definitely. It. 85th minute, Sam Kerr splits the back line and was able to slip it in for a shot on goal. But Nicole Barnhart got it, made the block. But this is why they say, follow your shots, or at least be aware of your teammate's shots. And Yuki Nagasato was there to catch the rebound and bury the shot for the win. Utah tried, but 2-1 to one was it. Yeah, it was after Kristen's goal, I was like, hey, maybe we can do this. And for a little bit there, we looked all right. But when we came out in the second half, it was just there was so little life that I just was like, "This, we might be able to squeeze out a draw, but I don't think we're going to go for the win. And then Yuki Nagasato just said, nope, you're going to take a loss today. And there goes all playoff hope. Yeah, (laughs) I, I think I was pretty bummed that night. I was like, man, that stinks. Yeah. Same. It, I had, especially because too, I had woken up at 5 a.m. to drive home to Salt Lake to get to the Real game on Sunday. Um, so I was to been up since 5 a.m. I was like, oh, Royals game, let's go. It'll be a good time. And then you just get that let down. And then you realize your season's over after the 12th and you don't get to go to the playoffs once again. Mm, unlucky. Unlucky. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. It was one of those things where once I saw Sam Kerr just 
split through, I thought, oh, no, this is it. Sure enough, that was it. And it actually wasn't like a bad game. It was like – it was a pretty fairly even game, I thought. Yeah, it was It was very back and forth, which sometimes when we play Chicago, that doesn't happen and they just kind of destroy us. And I was pleasantly surprised with how – like we did stay in it for obviously almost the entire game, but just wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, actually, I think – Utah had more shots uh, than Chicago overall. I think it was 11 to 8. And then, yeah. And so, I mean, it was fairly competitive offensively, I think. Um, yeah. But in the end, it's it's how you finish. And Chicago knows how to finish. And I think one thing that and we can talk about this later is Utah's struggle in the final third um, I mean, if if you can't score, you can't compete. I mean, your defense can do so much. And even I thought, compared to last year, I thought the defense was not as solid this year. So, I would have to agree. I think there was a little bit of a hiccup after the World Cup that they just were struggling for a little bit there. I think the defense in this game was pretty solid, but at the end of the day, like you said, if you can't score, you can have the best defense in the world. At some point, you're going to get scored on, and you've got to be able to recover from that. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, Utah fails to reach the playoffs, as we have said, like for the 15th billion time. <laughs> if you haven't got it at this point, I don't know how else to tell you. Newsflash, Utah did not make the playoffs. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that, about um, – just the um, just on this f- failure, and even that word is like crushing. But this failure for Utah to reach the playoffs, um, what happened? What went wrong? Megan, what are it, your thoughts? It, I honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with the World Cup, and I don't want to blame it all on that because we, you know, we have talent through the roster. There, really, there's a lot of talented people, but the World Cup, I think, we all kind of underestimated how depleted our roster was going to get which we shouldn't have we knew how many people were going to be leaving and we knew for a fact you know Becky Kristen Kelly Rachel X you know all the other players were going to leave but a lot of teams kind of just took it in stride I felt like like Portland they struggled a little bit during but they just got right back up after the World Cup and carried on being dominant as they were and I feel like Utah didn't really do that we just kind of were like oh shoot well we have these players back but how do they integrate back into the system what do we do now we played pretty decently during the world cup break with the like less star-filled lineup but then when you bring them all back it was a little bit of a hiccup and then we just could never recover from that yeah I, I could see that I think for me you're right because they did pretty good uh for the world cup stretch I think um I think considering the players they lost, um, I think they did pretty good. I think it was it, – you're right. It was right after the integration. And then um, – so it's it's weird because when I think about – and I was thinking about – and this is what we talked about like before we hit record was they started off strong and we're like, okay, this team looks good. They look solid. And then sometime around June – um, especially during that, like that, I think it was either, 
I think there were a few setbacks that I'm like, oh, they're not as like good as I thought was Houston and then Sky Blue. Those two, I'm like, wow, they can't beat these teams that are not that – I mean, they're not the most competitive. They are competitive, but, you know, they're not your North Carolina. They're not your Portland. I think around that, that when I was – I started to see some struggles, of especially final third-wise. I, I think we did, but somehow they found a way to score. Um, but then – so we go through this dry spell, like – in the summer after the World Cup. And then uh, the players come. I mean, something happens around August. They beat Rain FC. They beat Portland. They're competitive again. They're doing well. And then next thing we know, they lose to Houston. And it's just like that that game, I think, was the turning point. I don't think it was who they play after. North Carolina? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So I don't think so much. I think something happened in that Houston game that completely just, I mean, started the collapse. And I don't know what it is exactly. I can't pinpoint why they could not recover from that Houston game. But that Houston game was bad, and they never recovered. Yeah, I think I agree with you a lot on. I think that loss to Sky Blue was really a turning point of struggles for Utah. Like I kind of forgotten that happened, but I think as if you look back on it, that really was like one dagger that they never seemed to be able to bounce back from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sky Blue and Houston, you think, or just Sky Blue? Uh, yeah, Houston too. I think. Houston's always a team that they're kind of similar to us where they go through phases where they're really good and then they go through phases where they're really bad. Whereas Sky Blue's always been a little bit of a struggle since Utah's come into this league at least where they haven't been a consistently good team. They'll have they'll have a game or two here or there where they're able to put some good things together. But it's it, it's Sky Blue. They haven't been great for a while. And so I think that loss for me was harder just because you should be able to beat Sky Blue as Utah like when you look at Utah's roster in comparison to Sky Blues it's really hard to fathom how Utah loses to them in that game whereas with Houston it's I just feel like Houston's at least at that point was a little bit better but both those losses shouldn't have happened at the end of the day it's true and so those are the games that you'll probably have to go back and be like we should have won those um the Houston game the Sky Blue games I think you lose those that really puts a huge dent on your season. And for Utah to have been playing so well for five games, they were on a five-game unbeaten streak. And then after that, it was just like total collapse. And I think last year they were doing better because they were fighting their way back towards the like the last stretch. Here, they just completely collapsed. Like, I, I don't think we can talk about this team in other, in other words except to use the word collapse. It was it was a collapse. I mean, that's what happened. Yeah, it was just kind of a mess and we like it, it just feels like we kept not being able to recover from things that you should have been able to recover from. Yeah, which is really really crazy. Um well, so I guess a lot of the listener questions that we had today talked a lot um We'll go into like some of the questions that we had um, in discussion about where do we go from here? What do we think about the offseason? What players 
does Utah keep, let go uh, players to add? So um, I think somebody, Stockton, asked, um, what is your list of players we need to keep next year and your list of those who should leave slash might retire? Um, let's, I'm trying to think, obviously you've got like players on season ending injury, like Britt Ratcliffe, if she doesn't come back, I'd be devastated, but obviously it depends on how her rehab goes, things like that. Um, but it's always hard because like, there's nobody on this team that I'm frustrated with enough that I want them to have to be done living their dream. And a lot of times, like if a team doesn't resign them, it's very hard to get back into the league sometimes. But I don't I don't even know. For for me, like I I don't know if I want to see anybody leave. I would just like to see more opportunities for people like um Mackenzie Doniak and Erica Timrak, even like some of the players who are a little younger or like Alexa Newfield too. Like I want to see some of those girls get more time and whether like that comes from somebody older having to sit a little bit I, f- I feel like Utah's got some young talent that isn't being able to get developed because we're trying too hard to give some of the older more experienced players minutes yeah I could see that um I like the younger players take and, and that's I think when we think about like players we think about like they have to be well known they have to be great you look at North Carolina a lot of those name big name players that we now know to be like big is because they were young and they were developed within that North Carolina system. And a lot of it does reflect on coaching. Um, Not to put a lot on Laura Harvey, but I do think a lot of this season wasn't so much, and we can talk about this, but I don't think it was a lot on the players. I think a lot of it was on Harvey and her coaching style. And so that will take me to, um, who I think the player that probably shouldn't be returning next year. And, you know, people can throw eggshells at me if they want, but I think I'm going to go with Gunny. Um, I just don't think she was the impact player that she was last season. And even kind of last season, besides that first game, I cannot think of many moments. So she's obviously a veteran. Um, She's really, really good. Um, she's a solid player, but I just don't think she fits into Laura's system that great. And I think you can use her as like trade leverage and get a team that will actually, a player that will actually fit in, which is crazy because Gunny wasn't like inherited from the Kansas City team. Like she was, she came along and like she was picked by, you know, Harvey to be a part of the team. So I don't know. That's my thought yeah, on that I, one. I kind of agree with that. I am like Gunny is a player that is insanely talented and there's no taking that away from her. She has a lot of good qualities to her, but she, like you said, she just kind of doesn't fit in Utah's roster. Like there's, she's got a very defensive mindset and how she plays. And that's not really what Utah needs. They need somebody who's going to attack. I think that's why somebody like Vero was so attractive to bring in because Vero is very offensive minded and like you, you just don't even almost you don't have room for Gunny if you have Vero in the midfield too because they just are so different and Utah needs to be more focused on an attacking mindset, I personally think. For sure, for 
for sure. Um, and even her playing at back was kind of was, uh, maybe because it was just two games. But I I don't know. I don't think I was like, whoa, this is the next you know back for Utah. Yeah, I agree. I was. I didn't know how I felt about that. I thought it was a little weird, and I also think Katie Bowen didn't really do anything to lose her starting spot. Yeah, that I saw. I never saw her, and was frustrated with her um, minutes that she saw. But that's just my take on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I think I think also Stango may have to go. I think you need speed. Um, I think you need speed on the front line, and I don't think that's something that is Stangle's strength. I mean, A-Rod and Press are very fast, but, you know, sometimes those two are going to be heavily defended because of who they are. And I don't know. I just think you need a lot more speed on the front line, so you need a player. Yeah, I think think that's why I enjoyed, like, how Lowe played a lot this year because she was – kind of playing more in a, an attacker role, but she's so quick and she's so small that she's able to do that. And I think Katie's size, although an advantage in some instances, most of the time the speed is something that we lack. Because like you said, Amy and Kristen are so heavily guarded all the time just because it's Amy Rodriguez and Kristen Press that you need a third option that's a like natural striker that's going to be smaller and faster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll show see what will happen I don't I do think of with the new season there will be some changes and turnovers and not turnovers but you know players who may want to go play somewhere else and um who knows maybe Abby Smith will want to play go where she wants to play but and with an expansion team honestly a lot is I mean if there are one or two teams next year there's so much that's going to change yeah um, the expansion potential is definitely something that'll make it'll almost force us to make a lot of changes that I think will end up being a good thing in the long run. For sure, for sure. Um, all right. So in tune with this whole, uh, what went wrong? Where do we go? We know what. Looking back at the season, Sabrina asks, "What do you guys think was the biggest problems in the team this year that we can't take to the next season?" Um, that's a tough question. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is the lack of goal scoring. I mean, we made jokes about it at the beginning of the year, but how many 1-0 wins did we have? Like, yes, a 1-0 win is still a win, but I would really like to see more two, three, four goal games from Utah next year. And if we continue to have 1-0 wins or 1-1 draws, I'm going to be a little frustrated by that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think defensively the strong is the team is strong. Um the midfield I think is improved um better than last year because of the addition of Vero. Um I think it does come to that final third and mentioned a lot how there's to watch the final third. I mean like nothing happened in the final third and and how frustrating that was to watch of like they couldn't put anything together. Um, like, I, do, I don't think there was, like, enough teamwork and consistency in that final third to, you know, be an offensive threat. And I, I just 
besides some of the games where they won three to zero and two to one, which were, I mean, three to one, which were not that many. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, you know, you, you can't, you cannot continue to compete in this league if you can't finish your shots and you can't score. And one to zero can only take you so far. So, yeah, exactly. It's, especially when you play the big teams like North Carolina can put one goal on anybody at any given point. And if you're only scoring one a game, that's just not going to be, yeah, not going to be enough. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well then ask, that's really the Twitter handle. Well then dot, dot, dot. (laughs) As the season comes to a close, what should we be looking out for next season with the team? Oh man, I it pains me to say it, but I'm hoping a couple trades. <laughs> I want to I like this team stayed pretty intact from its first season and I would like to maybe see that change a little bit. Bring in some new people, bring in maybe some younger players and just kind of maybe turn a new page a little bit and make some changes that'll be bigger than Vero. Obviously Vero was a huge signing, but let's make two or three Vero signings this off season. Yeah, I like that. Um, yep, more additions that will, you know, give it a creative flair, a you know, a threatening flair. I think Utah's a very talented team, um, but for some reason this year they could not, you know, get it, you know, gel, <laughs> if you want to put it together. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, Megan. I agree. couple of trades. We need trades. Um, I think Utah is a destination that players want to be a part of and you just got to make it happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so much attractive to around to players around the league to want to come here with the big fan base, the, you know, all of the big, like relatively impressive things that we have for this team, as far as facilities that they have and respect they have from owners and, you know, there's all these great things you hear. Let's use those to our advantage to bring some big names here that can make a change for the league or for the team and propel us into a playoff spot next year. Yeah. 110%. And hopefully Kelly O'Hara would be healthy next year if she's not a part of the expansion, because if something happens, if like the expansion talk keeps happening, I don't think she will be a protected player. I think Utah will protect Sauerbrunn and press. That's my thought. I, I would have to agree with that. I don't see why you protect. Like, obviously, Kelly is an incredible player, but I think if you'd have to protect Kristen and Becky out of that because yeah. if you leave either of those two unprotected, they're for sure going to be gone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So, Nikki Scott, uh, a little shift. Mm, actually, we're going to save that one. I was going to go to Aaron's question. He wants to know an update about Ryan, first of all. And then second, would love to hear your thoughts on club growth versus NWSL challenges. The league seems to be struggling while individual clubs are thriving. And lastly, do you think some of the issues that have arisen from RSL impact URFC? So, Megan, you have an update on Ryan. Yes. Um, so he obviously is, he's still in care. He's not gotten to go home yet and probably won't get to go home for a while, but he got moved to a new facility. Um, he's had a lot of people helping him. He's had a lot of therapy going on. Um, he was 
able to kind of speak the other day. He apparently said ah and almost was able to get out chair. He got ice chips, which is a huge like step forward for him. He has barely been able to get anything on his own. He's had a, he's had a lot of feeding tubes in. Um, so he's been trying to get more and more solids in his system because he can't, he hasn't been able to do that on his own. Um, I believe his kids were able to come visit and see him finally after all the time that he was alone. So he's, he's not better yet, but he's making a lot of progress and he's finally out of intensive care every single day, every single waking moment. So progress, but obviously still keep him in your thoughts. And I don't think we have a GoFundMe. I don't know if there will be one, but if there is one, look at the Royals Twitter the Royals FC show Twitter to stay up to date on that because we will put anything we can out there for as far as support for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so glad to hear that things are improving. I miss Ryan. I miss his sass. <laughs> yeah, he, he was always, always good for a sassy comment in our, in our <laughs> soapbox chat. And it's definitely been missed to not have that. We've got yeah. a lot of personalities in there, but he was always good for a good joke. <laughs> for sure. Um, cool. Well, thanks for that, Megan. Um, and then the second question, club growth versus NWSL challenges. Um, there does seem to be a little bit of um, the front office of the NWSL right now is going through a lot of changes. Uh, the A&E, once A&E backed out a little bit, a lot of those employees were kind of connected with that whole deal. So, yeah, there's been a lot of crazy things happening with the league. I don't know all of them. Um, but I agree that um, each club uh, operates. Obviously, the league oversees everything, but um, gl- the clubs are, you know, like you have your Utah and your Portland and you know, every, every little, I mean, sky blue, even last year we were talking about all the craziness that was happening. They hire a new general manager who's actually working. So, um, yeah, the league does seem to be struggling a little bit and there's, I hear that, um, us soccer may be backing off from control of the league. Um, I think in the end there will be some growing pains from that, but I think that would be better for the league because, you know, the leagues, the club will have more power as to like, you know, they don't have to let go of certain players if they don't want to, you know, like the clubs. So yeah, it'll be an interesting off season, but um, I think, I think the league is okay overall. I don't think we have to worry about, you know, if they're talking expansion, if they're talking about um, growing the league, I think it's doing okay. It's just, comes with growing leagues of like a smaller league trying to develop and we saw that with MLS I don't remember this but I've read um so I think the league is okay I don't think we have to worry about it and obviously if the league isn't doing well then that affects the clubs as well so I think I think they're doing the best they can I think it's okay yeah I kind of reiterate that I think this league is still young it's I'm obviously there's been women's soccer leagues that have failed in the past, but at the end of the day, this NWSL, how it is currently, is still a very, very young league. Even Major League Soccer is still very, very young in comparison to the, you know, big leagues over in Europe and in South America and all that. But, like, 
the NWSL is not not old enough to be worried about the the little issues they're having right now. If if we're still having these issues in five, ten years, then maybe we be concerned, but where the league's still in its infancy and still growing, I think we give it a little bit more time before we get too concerned. Though obviously these changes do need to be made sooner rather than later. Yep. Yep. Uh, wow, Megan, it's crazy to me that you are just a young freshman in college. <laughs> I'm out of high school. <laughs> uh, okay. And then lastly, uh, so obviously we've, the issues with RSL, how do they impact your RSC? Um, I don't think they do because even though it is tied to RSL, your FC, it's separate. It's under a whole different league. They have a whole different general manager. Um, I haven't heard anything from the women's side perspective. I think a lot of what's going on with RSL is um, internally and, you know, Megan, you can probably – I don't follow RSO. I mean, I, I only know what you guys – from working I, with you guys, but – Yeah, I kind of – like pretty much what you said is I would entirely agree with. Obviously, the big change everybody's freaking out about is Craig Weibel leaving Real Salt Lake earlier this week after everything that's happened with Mike Petke and all that. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. Trust me, you don't want to get into it if you don't know about it already. It's a mess. But – this everything currently that we know about as general public knowledge is 100% a Real Salt Lake issue. I don't, Craig Weibel had next to nothing to do with Utah Royals. I don't think currently there's any issues to be majorly worried about. Obviously, there's always things that we don't know about. There's things that are going on behind the scenes that may be happening. But as far as the big news that with Real Salt Lake and Craig Weibel that everybody's freaking out about, that would I believe that will have next to no impact on the Royals because, like you said, there's a completely different general manager. They're under a completely different like set of rules as far as with the NWSL versus MLS. Like there's there shouldn't be anything to worry about, especially not in the immediate future. Yeah, same, same. Um, cool. That was good questions, Aaron. Um, all right. So the next kind of wrap up a little bit. Um, we're gonna focus a little bit on Laura Harvey. There is talk of Laura Harvey becoming the U.S. women head coach. At least she is um, a front runner. Whether that happens, who knows? Um, I don't know. I don't think they've started interviews yet, but I haven't really been checking in on that. But so if Laura Harvey becomes, do yes. So yes, Allie, uh, the U.S. women's national team still has interest in Harvey. I think at the end of the day, Harvey's a really good head coach. Um and she has shown it, and just because of this new club and what's going on, I, I don't think that's a reflection of her as, like, a bad coach. It just comes with she inherited players, you know, from an old team. She's trying to kind of build her own culture, her own team, and we kind of saw glimpses of that greatness of the Laura Harvey team. And, um, you know, I think give her one more year if she remains with Utah. But... Yes, there's still interest. So if there's still interest and Laura Harvey becomes the U.S. women's national coach, what would be the significant factors that the club would need to change and or sustain moving forward without her? You know, team culture, lineup, legacy, leadership, player roles, etc. Nikki asks, basically, what would the Royals team look like without Laura Harvey next season? So hypothetically, 
Megan? <laughs> oh, man, that's a loaded question. Obviously, it would be really impressive for a Utah coach to become the U.S. Women's National Team head coach, although I don't necessarily hope that it happens. It wouldn't either be the worst thing in the world for Utah Royals as a whole because I think that would get a little bit of attention to the Royals and get, you know, obviously help as far as that. But without her next season, it's it's going to be tough because there's not exactly tons of options out there as a replacement. I think that's why she's in consideration for the U.S. Women's National Team coaching job as it is. There's not that many qualified women's coaches out there. There just like there just isn't, and so I think it Utah would probably struggle a little bit to find a replacement. But two, there's you just don't know. There's so many things that. Maybe there's options that we haven't even considered that Utah is already looking at. There's I I don't even know if I would feel comfortable saying what I could what this team could look like because there's just so many unknowns as far as what Royals ownership would do. What U if the U S would even if she's even really still in contention if that was just a rumor. Like I just I just feel like there's so many unknowns. It's tough to say what potentially this team could look like if she even leaves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird thinking about it. And like you said, there isn't, there aren't that many um, U.S. coaches out there. I mean, like there aren't that many head, women, women head coaches out there that could be as good as Laura Harvey. So um, should that happen? Um, yeah, obviously that's going to change culture. That's going to change everything because Laura Harvey is Laura Harvey. And, um, you know, she can't be replaced. Um, and, and if they are, if that was the case, Utah would obviously look for somebody who could. But I think even if she were to leave um, and they were to keep the same head coaching staff, I think Scott Parkinson and Amy LaPelvitt, um would take over that team and kind of instill that same Laura Harvey culture, you know? So... I agree. I think that especially where Amy LaPelvet did a lot with the Royals reserves this year, I don't think if that is what we have to do and we leave it in the hands of Scott and, and Amy, then there's there's no reason the two of them wouldn't make great replacements. They're two incredibly talented coaches that know a lot about this game and know a lot about this team and are passionate about this team. Like that wouldn't that wouldn't be a bad thing to have one of the two of them or both of them co head coach Utah Royals FC in the future. For sure. For sure, for sure. And I think that would really be awesome, you know, if Laura Harvey were to move on. You know, why not allow her assistance to continue the work that was started? Because that's important. That matters. And I don't think you're going to find anybody better outside her assistance right now. No, I think think especially Scott and Amy are some of the best assistant coaches in the league. Like those two – have worked with Laura for for so long and so well. They're like I don't. I would be c- completely happy seeing both of them or one of them, whatever ultimately is decided. If that's what they decide to do, to mm-hmm. be in charge would be would actually be something really interesting to see how that would work. Yeah, would be interesting, but that has not happened. And until that happens, Laura Harvey is the head coach. I don't think this season, you know, she's going to keep her job. I think 
I th- I think people expect magic, and we need to. We I know we are such an instantaneous type of culture, but some things take time, you know. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, you got to remember this at the end of this day, this club is still two years old. Like, obviously, they came from Kansas City, but this is a new team with a new coach and new players. And it's it's going to take time to grow. Like we said about the NWSL as a whole, it's still a baby team. It's a baby league. It's got to kind of find find its feet. And I think it's only fair to Laura to give her into the third season. If we start out, you know, with six losses next season, maybe we take a look at things. But I think for now, it's. I would be surprised to see Laura not coaching Utah Royals next season. Same. I would be shocked and I would quit everything. <laughs> we just, all of Soapbox just quits on the spot. We are done. Good yep. luck, Utah Royals FC. Yep. And I guess that's no better way to end the show than with being super dramatic. Wouldn't be a Utah Royals <laughs> FC show without ending dramatically. Yep. Very true. Hey. Thanks for listening, everybody. You're awesome. Have a good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you listen to this. Thanks again.